0: Cool.
2: Well, this is exciting. I think, I guess I'll just start off with kind of a a bit of a, kind of a bit of an intro in terms of um, how I found out about you guys. So like I started the PT student compass probably would have been, I'd say four or five months ago in the middle of my second semester of, uh, of PT school. And I mean, I was posting content on and off. And I wasn't super happy with the content, but I knew there was there was good purpose in behind, behind in, in doing the content. And then after I've had I've been on Christmas break for the last four or five weeks, um, and it's it's quite expensive to fly home um, because I'm originally from New Brunswick in Canada, so it's it's like just over two grand to fly home at Christmas time. So I was like, I'll just hold off and, and uh, wait till i am actually done my full PT degree before I kind of go back and do a celebration lap in Canada. So this, this Christmas break, I've just kind of found a new vision in terms of how to, how to put content on, on Instagram and, and kind of just switching gears in terms of um, what I actually want to post. And then I kind of just been searching through Instagram and I found you guys. And listen to a couple of your podcasts. Um, and I mean, you guys have 100 podcasts, which is insane. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. And then just kind of the the message and the vision you guys were actually um, putting off was pretty much aligned with me. And you guys added a little bit of a kind of debt component to it, which I was quite interested to. So why don't you guys just start off with a bit of an intro about your guys' uh, self individually. And then we'll kind of go from there.
0: So, background about me. I am a second year physical therapy student in a small town in North Carolina called High Point and I go to High Point University DPT program and that's where I currently am today, graduate in 2021. So really looking forward forward to it and uh, I did my undergrad degree in Charleston, South Carolina. So some of you may know Charleston as a big tourist city. and yes, I did go to college there, College of Charleston, and it was an amazing four years. And in between uh, undergrad and grad school, I wanted to take a gap year because I was just burnt out after undergrad. And yeah, from that point, I you know, applied to PT school, took the GRE, worked and I got accepted, had a few months to enjoy with traveling and uh, working and then and then I started in May of 2018. So that's a little bit about my PT school journey. And Sarah?
1: Let's see, where do I even start? My name's Sarah. Hello everybody. I went to undergrad. I grew up in Akron, Ohio. I went to undergrad and at the University of Akron Go, LeBron, as you all are probably hearing. Where is Akron? Nobody knows it except LeBron is there, was there, whatever. And oh, okay. <laughs> I took a uh, involuntary gap years. <laughs> I did not get accepted to PT school the first two tries. Well, I was denied from 18 schools, and I was waitlisted for the same school two years in a row. So I gave up on PT The second time around when I was waitlisted again and I moved to a new state. I said, all right, I'm going to start a life here. And then four weeks before classes started, I got a call and um, was called off the waitlist. So I moved again (laughs) and um, started at Slippery Rock University in Pennsylvania, which is actually a small town. High Point is not a small town. Let's just get that out there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's a total of like 3,000 people who live in Slippery Rock. Um, Until school starts, 9,000 students swarm and take over the little town. So that's where I'm at now. I am a second year. I graduate May 2021. It is January 2020 as we're recording this. So it's crazy to say we graduate next year.
2: That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because we're, yeah, so we're going into, do you guys, do you guys do tri semesters where you are?
1: Yeah, all year round. So yeah, we'd go year round. Okay, cool.
2: Yeah, that's that's what we do too. So we'll be finishing. So we started last April, and we'll be finishing our. I think it classifies as your first year, in, like after we have our next two courses. So in like a few months, it's it's just like a really weird how they have it laid out, um, because we we often go um, we do. We like we did our principles of physiotherapy, we did our MSK one, and then we went on. One, yeah, principles of physiotherapy, MSK one, cardiorespiratory, and then we went right on to two sets of placements. So we had three months of school before we went on to placements, Um, and then after that, it uh, we go and we do two or three months of classes, um, and then go on to placements again. So it's it's kind of embedded into the the program, but. In terms of my undergraduate degree, I actually graduated from Saint Francis Xavier University. Have you heard of Saint of X by any chance? Maybe. No. Have you heard of the X ring by any chance? No. Okay, didn't think so. So it's it's actually uh, it's a school in Nova Scotia, um, which is on the east coast of Canada, and when you graduate, uh, I graduated with an undergraduate degree in kinesiology, um, and when you graduate, you actually get an X ring and this it's like the graduation ring of the school and they say it's the the third most recognizable ring in the world so they that you have the pope's ring it's number one apparently super bowl ring is number two and then they have the x ring so just a fun fact what yeah most people don't yeah most people don't know about the x ring if you google it you'll it's they say it's like a cult type thing and i would totally agree yeah so so that was my undergraduate degree and then similar to a lot of people, I didn't get accepted to, I think it was four or five schools in Canada for, for PT. And then um, a lot of people actually decide to go and study internationally. And I, I, thought that was a, I thought that was a decent option in terms of, um, I didn't want to let um, the decision of a, of a school kind of dictate what I wanted to actually do with my life in terms of a profession. So I gave it a shot and got accepted into an Australian school. And it, it was quite a bit of a, a process in terms of chatting over with my parents in terms of how are we going to make this happen in terms of money. It's, it's, it's a long, it's a, a lot of money to, to actually come over here and, and to do that. And I mean, they charge an international uh, fee too for, for students coming in, but that was besides the point. it's something I really wanted to do. And yeah, and then I ended up in Australia somehow, some way i'm now almost a year in a new country yeah so that's kind of my story and how i ended up across the across the world i still don't know why uh i still don't i can't believe that i'm here every single day it is kind of what i'm saying
1: that's insane that's
2: that's my story so it's like i think we're all in a little bit of the same same boat like we kind of had like a little bit of a story and a little bit of a, a process to get where we actually wanted to to be. Would you, would you kind of agree with that?
1: Oh yeah. Everyone has their yeah. process.
0: And it's yeah. so awesome to hear each other's unique story and, and just uh, going to PT school internationally, is just, it's so interesting to me and you're in Australia. I bet that's the moment, like you said, you have that moment. You're like, I'm actually here.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think you guys have a little bit of a story of how the two of you met because you're not actually in the same place. I had no clue how you have a podcast together. And (laughs) you guys seem like you've been best friends since you were two two, two years old. (laughs) So just give me a bit of a rundown on on the wonderful story of how Gabby and Sarah, the physiotherapy students, met.
0: So back in September of 2018, I was just finishing my first semester of school. And I, you know, on Instagram looked, there was a message on my DMs and it said, Hey, Gabs, the SPT. And (laughs) it was great. I still love that. And so I saw that message from Sarah and she had this idea of starting a podcast for PT students. And at the time I was thinking about, you know, YouTube channel or you know, something. I wanted to help PT students or pre-PTs at the time. And I was just like, yeah, this is a really, really cool opportunity. And so Sarah emailed me all the details of, you know, what it would be about. And that was, let's see, in September. Yeah, that was in September of 2018. Lo and behold, we did everything online all of our interviews podcast episodes without meeting each other in person from September until January of 2019 when we met at a physical therapy conference called combined sections meeting in Washington DC and the rest is history and here we are today
1: and here we are less than a year (laughs) after we've met (laughs) let's just put that into perspective Um, for all of you who say but I don't have anybody who would do anything with me. Bullshit, let's just say that. <laughs> because yeah, I literally true. reached out to random strangers and Gabby was one of them.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like, I keep telling people in my class and, and everyone who who is like, you have a podcast? It's like, yes, I, I do have a podcast. It's so easy to actually just to reach out to, to people on social media, such as Instagram, which seems to be an amazing platform and just ask if they want to chat about what they do. People love to talk about, I don't want to say people love to talk about themselves, but people love to talk about what they're passionate about. And it's, it's as simple as I can message you guys. We've never talked before, but we have the same interests and same kind of what we're doing on, on social media platforms. And we can just have a general conversation and help people out at the same time. So I, I, think, I think it's quite easy in that manner to do so. It just takes a bit of um, kind of working in terms of um, how to work Instagram and how to record a podcast. But I mean, technology makes things so easy now that it's it's so easy to do. So um, it doesn't surprise me that the two of you met how you did, but what does surprise me is how quickly you guys have grown in just under a year. And before we kind of get into the main topic, can you guys just quickly chat about What's, what's it called, the, the new thing you guys actually just developed, like a program type thing? Yeah. What's that yeah. called again?
1: Yeah, let's so, talk about that for a second. Yeah, we started a course for PT students. Um, it's called the SPT Navigation System, and it's to help other PT students get through school on their first try. Because as many of you know, I don't know if this is how it is in Australia. We'll have to ask you about this. <laughs> But um, about 10% of students do not make it through school on their first try. And that's PT school. That's not undergrad. That's grad school. And that's ridiculous. After all the years and money you spend in it and then not to make it is extremely frustrating. A waste of money and your time and your energy. And then also being able to get through on your first try debt-free because in America what's the average debt for just grad school is about $140,000. That's about right. And that's insane.
2: Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, in terms of, I think it's with any, any school, like, I don't know the sp- specific statistics, but I mean, if you don't have a bit of direction and support and, and I mean, the work ethic, it's realistic you can fail out in your, in your first year and, and that's unfortunate, but I guess with resources such as what you guys are building and, And what I'm kind of putting in terms of content, we both have the same mission. We're just trying to help in terms of getting people through on their first time and making it as stress free as possible, which makes a perfect segue. Yes, I love good segues. So in terms of content that I wanted to kind of chat over today, and we can kind of both have a bit of a discussion about is, is the concept of physiotherapy student burnout. And I was, what was I, I was listening to your, I don't know which one it was, one of your older podcasts yesterday. And I mean, you guys have a reoccurring theme throughout your episodes where you talk about different ways to kind of de-stress on a day-to-day basis. So just in terms of like off the top of your head, Gabby, how would you define burnout? Because I, mean, I feel like there's a million different definitions for it, but how would you personally define burnout?
0: Yeah, burnout for me, I, I see it as just, (laughs) you know, you're, you have, think of a gas tank and you're literally at E and that's what I think of, you know, your whole mental, emotional, physical, you are just, you're burned out. You're, you're on empty and it feels like you can't give anymore. And so it's really hard because it's really hard to dig dig yourself out of it at at that point what it feels like but that's how i would define burnout is you are on empty and it affects all aspects of your life and so it's everything
2: what do you think sarah
1: i would say burnout is when you've been doing the same thing for too long without any kind of external internal reward or like refueling kind of like Gabby said there's nothing to refuel you you have nothing left to give and that's what pt school does a lot of the times so you are giving and giving and giving absolutely everything you have with no real return in the moment
2: yeah and i mean i agree with both of the things you said and i would just add the component is it, there's a lack of motivation to to just move forward that that's personally when I feel at the point of of burnout, there's just there's a lack of lack of interest, there's a lack of motivation just to to go tomorrow and give it all I got. But it's a very personal definition from how and dis- just how someone describes burnout. I don't think there's one overall kind of overarching definition for it. But it, can you guys think of any specific moments in your first year? Where you just you just completely felt like you were burnout, and just kind of give a bit of example if you feel comfortable to do so?
0: I specifically know when I felt that burnout, and for me, that was in the first semester. I had personal family um, stuff come up halfway through in my first semester, and that was in the midst of anatomy that was you know all these different classes, and at that point I <sighs> I was struggling and even towards the end of the semester, I knew I was like, I feel, you know, burnout. I, like Sarah said, giving and giving and, you know, not getting the test grades back that I I thought and just really feeling drained. And by the end of the first semester, I needed that break. We had really a week and a half (laughs) before we started the next semester. And after really reflecting on everything that happened and all of the factors that came into it, whether it was uh, something I could control or not control, I really had to take all that into consideration and how I handled those situations so I can make sure I'm prepared if that ever did happen, you know, for semesters after. And so that was a time for me that I was burnt out after first semester. And from that point on, I knew how to handle it. I knew when to recognize it. And that was my point.
2: How long was your first semester?
0: It was 14 or 15 weeks.
2: Which is the equivalent to be like four months, three months ish.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. What do you think Sarah? Any specific moments of thought that you can think of associated with burnout
1: yeah so midterms first semester I was on the plane back from the national student conclave and I about just shit myself looking at all of the things I didn't do and I should have done before midterms so I literally was on the plane back and I had midterms that next day and I had not studied enough I hadn't studied much at all (laughs) And that was the moment where I just completely panicked and felt like, why am I even doing this? Like, I'm not even smart enough or good enough or whatever, or hardworking enough to get through, like, the rigor of this program. And making it through the last, it was really the last three weeks of the program, because although they were midterms, they were not halfway through the semester. They were three weeks before the end of the semester. So (laughs) it made it worse because then you have midterms, then you have like a week off and you have finals. And it was horrible. (laughs) Never ever again would I want to do that. And it wasn't like that. After the first semester, it was much better. But going through that and losing five classmates um, due to grades in the first semester, one of them being my roommate, was extremely difficult for me because I got very close to those people and you know, you're not gonna see them. They're not in your class anymore. Not that they're gone forever by any means, but you know, it's so different when you have essentially kind of lost part of your cohort, lost part of your group.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the part where I felt burnt out specifically, it was after, I think it was after our first five, six week stretch that initial getting used to the pace of how how content is actually being presented to you and then trying to get used to a completely new country and, and, and new environment and trying to figure out where the grocery stores are and how to find specific food in the grocery store because your usual stuff you eat in Canada doesn't exist in a new country. And then you're you're getting used to the, the full day of of work and then and then just towards the end of that block of of class having kind of an anatomy exam on monday and then having one of the oskies on wednesday and then having the written on thursday i was just i was just burnt out from the i just think from the stress but there was no kind of lack of motivation because i was still excited to be in physio school but i think like as as we all kind of chat about our our burnout experiences i guess I think what we all have in common is that we've learned from that experience specifically, and then it's gotten better over time. So like if anyone was listening to this podcast for the first time and was thinking of going into PT school, it's not all horrible and stressful at all times. (laughs) I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's just putting a bit of personality to, to our experiences. I think it's important to kind of set the reality of yeah, PT school is hard work, but it's, it's probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in, And I, and I think you guys would, would agree as well. So yeah, but it just in terms of if you could give like three steps that lead up to one's burnout, what would those be? What do you think, Gabby?
0: Okay. So three steps that lead up to burnout. I would say one of them is lack of sleep because if you're not sleeping and you are going through a full day of class, on little sleep, you can't, your brain can't process the information that's coming at you, the immense information that's coming at you. And then going home to study for the rest of the night, I would say sleep is the number one thing that goes along with stress. Because if you're stressed that you're not sleeping, then <laughs> those two, it's just, you know, those two together, is just a disaster. And then I would say the third thing is just like, lack of and we all we all do this especially when you're feeling burnt out not motivated is just like moving your body exercising because that just gets brush, brushed off to the side because you're stressed out you can't sleep and you have no energy to work out so i would say all of those things together are steps to lead to burnout and figuring out how to recognize that especially when you know you're not yourself and there's a little voice inside of you saying this is not me this is me like (laughs) this is me in survival mode and so I would say those are the three things that lead to burnout yeah
2: yeah Sarah is there any other ones that you can think you can add to that
0: I
1: would add two main things so one being your suffering in silence and the second being your perspective. So as soon as you can, first and foremost, have people around you that you can actually talk to, not just people who are going to say, Oh, my day's been great. How is yours? Oh, my day's been great too. And move along on their day. (laughs) That's not going to help you at all. And as soon as you are able to kind of take a bird's eye view on what is going on in your own life, look at the rest of the world, look at other people, look at what your future is going to be once you get past this hump, then you're able to kind of help overcome the burnout. And if you don't do that, that's going to lead to the burnout. The sooner you can just open up a little bit, it'll be a lot better.
2: Yeah. And I think the second thing you said was talking about perspective. That's that's the biggest killer for me. I can tell you that There's some points during the semester where you you just don't have any confidence in yourself and, and you you can't see the end of the, the light at the end of the tunnel, which is two weeks ahead. It's, it's having that positive perspective at that moment that I think is, has been super important for me to do, or at least try to do most of the time. But I think that's probably one of the most important things in terms of, specific steps that lead to burnout is not having that um, positive perspective on what you're actually doing. So in terms of now, I was listening to, I feel like I'm your guys' number one fan because I was listening to your podcast all day yesterday, (laughs) but in terms of one of the things you guys were talking about or multiple things were just about different strategies to actually combat burnout. And one of the, I think Gabby, you were chatting about the app called Headspace which I have I've used before and I didn't get the full thing cause it cost too much money, but I know in the U S you can actually get the student fee, which is pretty sweet. I think it's like 10 bucks a year or something. So can you just tell the audience a bit, Gabby, about kind of what Headspace is and how you used it or how you still use it?
0: So we both use different apps. Uh, Sarah uses Headspace primarily, and I use another app called Calm, which they're probably very similar, and we are not sponsors, but they they are great. But Sarah, if you want to talk about Headspace.
1: So Headspace is a meditation app that you can use for a lot of different things. What I personally use it for is two main things. One, to sleep. They have great sleep casts. They're called sleep casts, or you can put on a sleep radio and listen to the ocean as you fall asleep, if you're not by the ocean, (laughs) and two for focus. So they have a lot of different short, like five or 10 minute meditations for students. There's focus ones, there's dealing with distractions, there's stress, and a lot more. And it doesn't take a lot of time, but those couple minutes in the morning really make a huge difference for your whole day
2: yeah and then gabby i think calm i've used calm before it's it's i think it's pretty well the same thing i think what's similar with both those apps is i mean there's there's free versions and the free versions you can still do a couple things and and just practice the kind of the concept of of meditation kind of in that manner and i think like what the idea with both of those apps in terms of combating burnout is often when when i'm in a state of burnout it's like, like i can't stop the the voices in my head like it it's like i'm Oh, what if this goes wrong? What do I have to do tomorrow, or what do I have to do next? What it teaches you to do is is to not try to block out what you're trying to say in your head, but to acknowledge the thoughts, pass them to the side, and then focus yourself back onto whatever the whatever the kind of what is the waves or or the sand of trees or or something like that. And that's kind of the idea, and it, it's supposed to, or it's helped me kind of just. Calm your mind down, reduce a bit of the stress, and then kind of, kind of move on with your day. So that's, I think that's the concept with with of app, and and I do use it for sleep as well. I usually try to find like a really, really, really boring podcast about like politics or something that I have no clue what they're talking about. I pop that on for about a thirty minute timer, and then I usually last about fifteen minutes, and I don't remember anything that the podcast actually said (laughs) so that's usually how I how I use those two apps but Gabby do you have any other kind of things you could do to combat burnout or anything like that
0: yeah I would say like we have talked about opening up and surrounding yourself with the right people because if you're constantly surrounded by negative people, and that could be in your cohort, that could be your parents, your friends, then that is just going to add to everything on your plate already. And so I would say opening up to someone who can understand and be a positive influence in your life, because it's really hard when you're in that negative mindset and you know, you're know you having those thoughts of doubt, your motivation, your confidence is not there. But when you have someone to pull you back, like we've said, give you this perspective of saying, okay, you know, this is what I see what's going on and from what you're telling me and I want to do everything I can to, to help you and, you know, dig yourself out of where you are right now. And that's why it's so important to have these people in your life because they are going to be very impactful if you are going through this. And I mean, all of us can probably attest to having, you know, someone during that time when we felt burnout of, you know, pulling us back and saying, okay, we're like reset, this is what's going on. And just having you notice it, put it into perspective and thinking, oh my gosh, like, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not surrounding myself with the right people. I'm not, you know, doing great things for my physical, mental, emotional health, everything. So I would say that's a big thing. And for me personally, yeah, and, that helped me yeah. tremendously.
2: And I mean, it's, it's one of those things, where, I mean, yeah, our parents are great to chat to, but sometimes you just need that other perspective. Uh, and I, I think all parents know that it's, it's, yeah, we can chat with them sometimes, but sometimes you just want to hear someone else's voice. So exactly what you guys did, you guys are in two different locations, but you can bounce ideas off each other. And if you're in a stressful situation, one or the other can just kind of calm your mind down, and and I think that's that's so key is having that extra lifeline in your back pocket in case in case you need that to to combat burnout. But I mean, I I think one of the biggest things for myself or or what I would recommend to to combat burnout is is very similar to your Gabby. is is just surrounding people with surrounding yourself with people who who are both supportive and are, are willing to help. Um, I think that can, can make the world of difference. I mean, being, I keep trying to of go back, being a completely new country, it's, it's hard because we're meeting a whole new group of people. So half of our cohorts from Canada, so there's 60 people, 30 of them are from Canada, uh, 20 of them are from, I would say like 15 to 20 of them from the States, couple of them are from uh australia so like there's actually i would say maybe like 25 percent of the cohorts from australia and then there's a couple from france and i think there's one from bulgaria as well and and i mean finding that international kind of group of of students that can that can help you with um any stressful situation has has been a big help for me But, but yeah so i mean Everyone has their bit of kind of an individual way of of combating burnout, but I think those are kind of two or three different ways that people can can do that. Sarah, do you have any others to add or are you pretty happy with everything we said?
1: I'm pretty content, but I will expand just a little bit on your support group because it can't be just one person. Your life, your lifeline or whatever, is not just for one person because what happens if they need a lifeline? So having multiple people who you can truly rely on makes a world of a difference because I can tell you there are many times that Gabby and I both needed a lifeline and we could not be there for each other because we both were so swamped. And having lifelines outside of ourselves from other people, other groups, helped us to continue because without those people we would not be here so
2: yeah i agree and i mean even much as going and, and having chats with your professors like ones that you're you're close with and just getting a perspective i find that prof- some professors are i mean in terms of at in my school i can i trust pretty much all my professors because they're amazing people but um they almost give you like a realistic perspective of, of what you're currently going through um so I, 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 I tell people like our students not to, not to be afraid to to approach the professors that they feel comfortable, going with. But I totally agree with what you were saying, Sarah. Is, is having multiple lifelines because you never know, multiple people may be going through through different issues at the same time. So yeah, and then in terms of, so let's say so you're experiencing burnout, and then but you or actually you're you're happy. You've got amazing marks and you're living the dream in PT school, but you notice your best friend is struggling. She just almost failed her her OSCE and is now struggling and is not able to kind of get through the work. How would you guys help this best friend individual and in kind of picking them up from a tough situation? Why don't you start with that one, Gabby?
0: Okay, so for me, I would, Tell this person, really, like we talked about, get it from a perspective of somewhat like an outside looking in. And especially if this friend failed, you know, his or her OSCE and didn't know if they would pass the class or even pass the semester, I would say, like, really dig deep into your why. Why did you want to come to PT school and why do you want to be a physical therapist? Because during those times, you really have to ask those questions of, okay, why am I here? What are the reasons why I'm here? And I'm putting myself through this and, and really just, you know, being there, being a supportive friend and whatever happens, like I, I'm here 100% and even having those tough conversations with this friend and saying, we we can have these conversations. You don't have to act <laughs> like you have this yeah. wall in front of you where if someone asks you, like Sarah said earlier, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. On the inside, you're slowly just like deteriorating. I would just say like you have to be there for that person whatever they need in that moment because you might be the person and this could definitely happen, like that you turn turn them around, especially when it comes to PT school and all of this happens. So that would be what I would tell my friend and the support I would give them.
2: All right, Sarah, what's your wonderful plan to help your best friend? My wonderful
1: plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, first, I have a question for you. For all the American uh, PT students listening, did you say Aussie or Aussie? What was it?
2: How, what do you guys call it? Oh. OSCE. I don't
1: know. What is it?
0: <laughs> heard, so I have heard it be called OSCE, OSCE which is yeah. a, simu- a simulation, but we call it like practicals or competencies. So they're all, I think Yeah, it's-,
2: it, it's all the same thing. Like it's O S C E. i stand, I'll, I'll look up. What does it stand for? It's
0: O-S-C-E. Yeah, it, something
2: simulation. For. I, I, it's something similar. It's, so it's, oh, it's objective structured clinical examination. I I think, I think it's similar in, in Canada as well. They call it, like, we call it an OSCE, but I mean, they could even call it like a competency. It's, it's just allowing you to, to understand that. So yeah, OSCE, O-S-C-E, no K. (laughs)
1: All right, got it. (laughs) Um, So in order (laughs) to help your friend who has not done well in their OSCE, I would first and foremost lend them a hand, lend them a lifeline, lend them multiple lifelines, not just from you and kind of get them out of their own head. So like Abby said, get that bird's eye view so they can almost be observing what is happening to them. And they can kind of take it as it comes and find peace in what's happening but still striving to be better and still striving for help, still striving to learn from all of this experience that they're having right now because I almost failed out first semester and it sucked. And I had a lot of classmates who failed out and the best thing you can do is simply ask them how they're doing. And if they say, I'm fine, look them in the eyes and say, how are you really doing? And if they break down, then give them a hug and move yeah. forward
2: it's i think as a i think it's unfortunate with with any grad program whether it be pt ot med there's this kind of theme that or at least i think there's this theme that you're not allowed like you you just have to push through and you just have to like you're going to feel stressed and you're going to feel uncomfortable and and there's almost this like like stress is encouraged and and this idea that I I had a thought in my head I'm trying to kind of wrap it around but there's there's this stressful theme to grad school that almost has a negative connotation to it that I think we can kind of switch around in terms of yeah you're experiencing a bit of stress that's normal but just having that support group to kind of combat that stress a bit is how you can handle that so don't try to push through the stress until you get to the point of burnout but rather tackle the stress when it's happening and that's the idea I was trying to say (laughs) yes I got to it (laughs) cool so um in your most recent podcast you guys talked about it was kind of your last podcast of the of the new year and I thought I'd kind of ask um ask you guys whether it's associated with stress relief tips and doing well in school or anything can you kind of think of three tips that you would tell students in the new year to rock their next semester and and do really well. Gabby, why don't you start with your amazing information, tips, stuff. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) So three tips. I would say, one, be aware. Be aware if you feel like, like we've been talking about, if you feel like burnout's happening, and if it is, then know the steps to take to not let that go further, especially if you are experiencing the very beginnings of it and you know yourself and you will know when that is it it really comes to light in the worst times with stress and anxiety and lack of sleep so first of all be aware i would say second have like we've it's a very common theme have these people around you who are really going to be there for you in all times like the really great times in PT school when you're on top of the world you're really confident you've done really well on your exams you're like things are clicking and then the times that you're you might fail an exam or a quiz and you're you're downing yourself you're feeling that imposter syndrome so I would say have the right people around you have multiple lifelines as was we've talked about and third, I would say, just be confident because. We all, at I feel like at some point in our NPT school, we all feel like we don't belong, and we don't feel as though we should move forward. And so, I would say, um, really, mindset is going to be key when it comes to this. And so, really working on your mindset, and that may include personal development, that may include meditation. So all of those things combined will really. Set you off really well to start off your semester strong and start out the new year strong.
2: Yeah. What do you, anything you can add, Sarah?
1: I would say first and foremost, listen to your body, listen to your mind, and those kind of go hand in hand in finding how you learn. So listen to your body as it's reacting to the stress that's happening around you, whether you realize it or not, your body knows and listen to your mind and give yourself those five or 10 minutes of introspection, of watching the thoughts as they go by and just acknowledging them, noting them and kind of letting them go. And in all of that, you will find how you study. And I know that may sound a little silly to some people, but you have to know yourself in order to find how you study best and how you learn best.
2: Yeah, I agree with what you guys are both saying. It's one of the things I I think there seems to be a lot of pre-PT students on Instagram. Apparently that's a thing where people make a pre-PT Instagram page, which I didn't really know that was a thing. But for anyone listening that uh, is kind of going into physio school or is, is up and coming and, and applying and stuff like that. I think one of the biggest things to student success is to, to finding some specific mentor in the actual field itself. So I had, um, when I finished my undergraduate degree, I worked um, in a physiotherapy clinic as a kinesiologist. I think you guys call it physiotherapy aid, physiotherapy assistant, whatever you want to call them. Um, and I worked under um, a physiotherapist by the name of Rob Landers, and he was—he uh, has this company called ABC Physiotherapy, which stands for Any Body Consulting Physiotherapy, which is actually quite a clever name, but so I worked under him for two years, and completely just switched my gear in terms of what I wanted to do with my life in terms of um, physiotherapy, and, and kind of writing down notes each day or each week, and of what I've learned on, on that week. So keeping some type of mental journal or actual physical journal is is, is really key for that. But um, more importantly is finding that mentor to actually kind of give you an idea of what the profession's like. And then when you do get into PT school, everything is just gonna click. Like it's it's the most rewarding feeling ever to kind of just start filling in the shoes of, of what your mentor does as a physiotherapist um, after being kind of that under your under his wing person for for quite a while so our mentorship is key keeping a journal or like a physical or mental journal is I think one of the best things to student success so that would be my uh knowledge for the day cool so this is I think this is probably one of my favorite podcasts I've done so far I just think the knowledge you guys have in terms of kind of the content you're actually providing and and just the way you guys present things is amazing and I love it. So thanks for, for coming onto the podcast and also it was a great experience for me to be on your guys' podcast since we're doing a two-way thing. Um, but yeah, so what did you guys think of the podcast?
1: Oh man, I loved it. And I have a, I have a question for you. I know many yeah. of our listeners, including ourselves, want to know more about physiotherapy school in Australia. So Gabby, I'll let you say whatever you're going to first before we dive into that.
0: That was my sure. question, so.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. so, so we laid out. How are your semesters? Yeah. What did you take in the beginning and when are your clinicals?
2: Yeah, so we, um, we start in, it was in June. I think it was June. I started in June of 2000 and what's the year? It's, it is 2019 now. No, it's 2000. it was 2019, it's 2020 now. But I started in April, June of 2019. You then do your principles of physiotherapy course, which is five or six weeks. You then do, so that's, you just do one course at a time. So you do physiotherapy, which is a five weeks intensive course. You then have a couple days break. You then do your um, MSK or musculoskeletal one. So you just do that single course by itself. So that's for five weeks. You then go into the cardiorespiratory physiotherapy course that's for five weeks um and again that's just by itself and then you have a bit of a break and then you go on to five weeks of of placement specifically whether it be in a cardiorespiratory theme or um an msk theme so you do five weeks of one of those and then you do five weeks of another and then that's where that's where i'm up to now too so it's what they kind of did with this program over at, at Bond University, which is in the Gold Coast of Australia, which is on the east coast of the of the country, is for our year they actually they embedded the clinical placement. So you you learn your content and then you go and you actually practice it. And I think that was a that was a huge kind of tipping point for me as I wanted to to learn the concept and then be put into the actual practical application. Um, And I know in Canada, they, they, they don't do it that way. They they have a a few kind of embedded short week placements, but usually you do like a a solid chunk of classwork and then you go into placement. In my opinion, I, I think I'd forget a few things if I haven't done cardiorespiratory in let's say four months. So that's how they developed the program over here, so it's, it's kind of that embedded concept. And I think the states is the same from what you guys were saying, is, is that right?
1: Kind of, so some schools yeah. do that. Some schools do one class at a time. It's more rare than what most programs do. Most programs, they're 15 weeks of intense class, about 18 or 19 credits, so it's about five classes, all with labs at the same time for 15 weeks not the most fun experience (laughs) and then Gabby so you're so Gabby talk about yours first because yours is different than mine and when you have MSK and when you go on your rotations and like your split semester setup.
0: Yeah so with my program in our first two semesters we went through anatomy and did all of that and then second semester they started us out in MSK And we just learned the upper extremity. And then after that, third semester is what we call a split semester. And we have seven weeks of class and seven weeks of being in the clinic. And so for me, I had my clinical first. And so that was the first seven weeks. And at that point, I had only known MSK1, which was all the upper extremity. I didn't take MSK2. So Uh, I was able to apply everything that I've learned thus far to where after my clinical and getting into uh, lower extremity MSK, I was able to relate it back to some of the patients that I um, saw and some of the cases. And so we do those split semesters, uh, semester three, five, which I had just had mine in the hospital, so acute care. Uh, I don't know if that's very similar to CVP rotation for you, Simon, but uh, I just finished and then I'll start 15 weeks of class again and another split semester will be uh, in the summer. So they're integrated within our curriculum.
2: Yeah. And I think that's a, uh, that integration of, of placements is key, but um, yeah, mo- most of our placements would be in a, our first two placements would be in a uh, a hospital setting. So, I mean, for my cardiorespiratory placement, I would be. like think I was on like a cardiac ward and a general surge ward. So I was, and then for my MSK one, I actually got to travel and go up north Australia to a place called um, Cairns, and uh, it's kind of a rule rural setting hospital. But I was on the orthopedic ward there, so that was quite a an interesting experience, but. But yeah, so that's kind of how the the program works with us, and and I mean, I, the five weeks of doing a single course, it feels like you're doing multiple courses at the same time. So I mean, there's embedded labs, there's embedded resources. They they bring in extra professionals and do um, different types of uh, different types of uh, topics. So it's it feels like there's multiple courses in the same five weeks. So like when you guys talk about split semesters, um, I think it's actually a, a quite a sim- similar concept in that manner. So I guess that's, that's how they do it over here in Australia. Apparently.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. But, and yeah. um, Sarah, what a, how does your program integrate clinicals?
1: Yeah. So many PT programs have kind of like yours, Gabby, where it's seven weeks at a time and then your two long terms so for us we did a weird two-week clinical after our first year before we had any MSK so I stayed with Gabby in that time <laughs> lived with Gabby for <laughs> those two weeks and so that was fun <laughs> and then so I'm I just started today was my first day of my second rotation which is five weeks long
2: that's why you're that wearing this means- shirt
1: I was
2: wondering why you were in your clinical place and I thought you were like going to do a night shift in the hospital or something.
1: No I just got back (laughs) Um, and so it's not actually five full weeks because we go back February whatever the first week of February it's like four weeks and two days because we started the day after New Year's Day which is weird but then we had two long-term 15-week rotations so I'm done with classwork July 17th and then we go Fifteen weeks at one place, a little bit of a break, fifteen weeks at another, and then we're done. So it's a little weird. But Simon, how long is your program total?
2: It's it. So it's the way I would I would explain it. So it's it's two full years, but like in undergraduate, you typically have like uh, two semesters is equal to one year. So now it's in dpt it's it's six semesters which is actually the equivalent to three years of school but you're doing it only two years and that's going all year round and then you have your your largest break during december um which is like it would be four or five weeks so yeah it's 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 i think exactly similar to you guys it's just for the difference in terms of those who are in in canada it's they don't do the right now they're not it's not a doctor of physical therapy um but i think eventually um once all of the kind of admin stuff and they figure out how they're going to do it it's eventually going to move to a dpt um so they they do it in two years but there's a they don't necessarily go to classes in the summer but they do uh, a placement so they're not going they don't have tri-semesters but rather they just have similar to undergrad, it's, they do a winter, like a fall semester, then a winter semester, then they have a bit of a break while they do clinical placement, and then they go into their second year. So they would start in September, and then end probably in June or April, similar to when like high school students would, would do it. So, um, so yeah, that's how long it is over here in Australia.
1: Cool, and so just to yeah. clarify, so in Canada, it's not a GPT. So if somebody is going to school in Canada, they could not work in the United States.
2: Correct. Yeah, yeah, you would be correct. It's like I can go from, I can go from Australia, and go back to Canada, write the practical exam and the written exam, and then be I can be practicing in both countries if I wanted to. The the thing with Australia is that there's no board exam when you graduate. So once you're done physio school in Australia, you can work right away. It's because they, they, bas- they basically have that testing embedded into the program. So if you're not passing the stuff in your program, then you probably shouldn't be a practicing physiotherapist. Whereas I know in the States and in Canada, you have to write that extra test. So that's actually quite positive for me because I can, when I'm done, I can work here for, for a while and it's quite easy to apply for a visa working visa to stay here and make money. So then I could go back, I could write the exam in Canada and then I can decide where I want to work. But yeah, if I wanted to work in the States because I have a doctor of physical therapy, the transition would be actually be quite, quite easy. Whereas I, I don't know the process of how you would do that as a, as a physiotherapist in Canada to the States. I'm sure there's some sort of way you could do it, I just, I just don't know how you would do it because I, when I talk about people to say I'm doing a doctor of physical therapy versus a master's of physical therapy, I guess you can call it, I I don't necessarily see there being a significant difference in terms of how well someone is, is going to be for, as a physiotherapist, but I just think as a doctor of physical therapy, you have a a bit more of a, a general knowledge in terms of, of, of what you're doing and. And like I said, I think, I think Canada is going to be actually moving towards that. Um, It's just, I think it's a quite a a long process to actually transition the program from a master's to a doctorate. And in the end, it actually adds a year on to their program too. So do people really want to spend an extra money and do that too? So, So, yeah, that's, that's the doctor. Thing, I guess it's weird saying doctor of physical therapy I I still classify myself as like a physical therapist or a physiotherapist but I think it's I think we do need to give ourselves credit and in, in having that in front of our names because the amount of work we're actually doing to get there so
0: yeah that's really cool and for all the listeners out there it's really great to hear your experience and just how you're in PT school physio school and just the the comment, you know, there's a lot of um, commonalities, but then also differences. So that's really cool that you are um, you are in Australia, you know, practicing to be a doctorate of physical therapy, and yeah, it's really exciting. But do you know what setting you want to practice in after you are? Finished? Yeah,
2: I mean, when I. Before I came into to physio school, I I had this idea that I kind of wanted to work in in a sort of outpatient private practice after having two full clinical placements. I'm thinking a a hospital setting may be kind of the way I'd want to go. Um, Specifically, I haven't gotten a chance to, but I really, really want to work with the pediatric population. So those placements are up and coming, which I'm super stoked about. Um, so I'm either going to confirm my love for that or I'm going to really not like it. So I'm just waiting for that. But I, I think a hospital setting is, is great because you have all of the MD team members or the multidisciplinary team members at your fingertips, which I think is, is really, really, really important. I don't necessarily think I want to work on an orthopedic ward. Right now, that may change in a few months. But yeah, I think, I think the pediatric population is, is just such a fun way of doing things. The way I look at it is if I can make an impact with a kid, let's say that is six, seven years old, that's quite a significant impact that I'm going to make when they're 18, 19 years old. So that's, that's the population I want to work with, or I'm hoping I want to work with. So we'll, we'll see. And I mean, I'm going into my neuro course in a couple in actually next week so so we're gonna i'm hoping that i can love neuro love pediatrics and then combine the two and, and work in a concept of, of working with individuals with disabilities and and being a physio in that way so that's my process right now that's what i want to do as you guys know physio school can change your uh, your thought and what you actually really like and what you want to do so my thought process is still still in the works, but it's, it's getting clearer and clearer every month.
1: Very cool. And two more questions. I know we're putting you yeah. on the spot now, but what's oh, the man. biggest transition from Canada to Australia? That's the first question. And the second question, yeah. what made you want to start the podcast?
2: So in terms of the transition, I mean, whether you're in Australia, you're in Antarctica or whatever you're in, you're doing a your grad school. I think the trend—it's going to be hard work regardless. Um, I think it was just the the pace at which content um, was being presented was the was the toughest part, as well as the the idea that they're not going to give you necessarily all the information when you're in class, but they're expecting you to find the information on your own time. So that was the the two transition points is is being kind of doing work on your, on your own a lot of the time without necessarily giving that direction um, at the same time as uh, just the pace at which they presented content was quite eye-opening at the beginning. But again, you get used to it as your kind of semesters go on. Uh, and in terms of in terms of why I wanted to start the podcast, I, I think one of the biggest things was, I think you guys talked about it in your podcast that I was listening to yesterday. It's like before I've said that that you would rather hire a PT who has this experience in terms of marketing and, and creating content and this idea of helping other people with digital resources. So um, I felt that was going to be an asset to have in my back pocket in future, future times. But um, that was just kind of an added benefit to the podcast. And the real reason why I wanted to start it um, was, first of all, to put myself out of my comfort zone. So, I mean, coming onto a podcast is quite, quite a confronting thing to do. But it's, it, it's an excuse to try to meet new people and, and just practice your ability to interview because physiotherapists interview every day. So if I get comfortable in, in doing that, I think it was going to be really beneficial. Um, and well, at the same time, a podcast can reach a lot of people very easily um, and can be, can be quite helpful. So those are the reasons why I started the actual podcast itself. I don't know. I just love it. It's, it's just, I keep telling you, it's an easy thing to do, just... Put a bit of effort in, reach out on Instagram to people who are like-minded. And in most cases, they'll be willing to talk to you, which is a wonderful thing, I think.
0: That is incredible. And you're right. Any of you can start a podcast and you all know, if you've been listening to both of our podcasts, then, you know, like you can, you can do this. And just with your, your interview skills, your speaking skills, and you can go all the way back. Like you have to start somewhere, but just seeing your transition and the, just so many people who you can talk to and hear their stories. It's just, it's been one of my favorite parts of, you know, doing our podcast and it's really rewarding. This is what gets us through studying and school because, and you too, like if we didn't have this, then it would, I think school would look a lot different.
2: No, I, I totally agree. It's, it's, I I get It's just such an, it's an easy thing to do. It, like, and like you guys have said multiple times, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's, it's not an easy thing to do in the first couple of times, but it, it does get easier and it's, it gets better. And it, it just provides, it's almost like it's a time where you can be productive in conversation and not having to study, but at the same time, you're kind of furthering your ability to, to become a, a good interviewer and a, and a good physical therapist. So,
1: And it can yeah. be scary, but here we are. And there you are. I just, yeah. I think it's so crazy. Canada to Australia, like what are the actual differences in the location? So for example, we have a lot of people who move from the Midwest where it's cold all the time, to like southern california that's kind of the transition i'm imagining it's similar to
2: yeah it's so right now so i typically facetime my mom usually every night it just keeps me grounded and i think everyone should do that please call their mom your mom's want to hear from you but yeah so i typically ask her what the what the weather is and it's currently right now raining snow cold it's, yeah, it's, it's a whole new ball game over there right now. Um, and then here we're actually going through quite a significant heat wave. So it's 30 to 35 degrees every day. Um, and you're typically not getting any rain. So that's, that's the, the living environment is I'm going from, and I mean, I'm used to it now cause I've been here for almost a year. Um, but going from four or five months of being cold in Canada them being hot in summer now it's hot all year around here but what's interesting is that right now um i'm currently in my summer and the winter is opposite so the winter is actually when your guys' summer starts so they 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 have that flipped around so the the climate environment is is quite hot um, but what's interesting is the 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 people and the professionals and everyone that are that are here it's, it's quite a easy transition from from canada to australia as in, they're very similar personalities, and I would actually say the same thing about individuals from the States and going to Australia. The culture is quite, quite easy um, and, and quite similar, so that's the kind of societal component to it. Um, living in environments, there's no basements really in Australia, apparently. That's not a thing. Um, AC is a luxury, but I'm very happy to have it. And the universities are amazing here. The Educate like the, the professors and just the way they, they have the campus laid out. I, I don't know, it's it's amazing. I don't know, I, I kind of feel at home now. It was, it was a bit of a struggle for the first couple of months. Um, but now it's, I, I'm a bit used to it now. And I guess I'm just looking forward to uh, starting next week after my four week break, so. That's kind of the the living environment of Australia. Oh, and we're on multiple beaches where I am. So you can walk 15 minutes and you can walk the coastline for hours and and be on a beach. So that's a a plus too, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's pretty nice. That's really cool that you have beaches by you. And what has been your favorite uh, adventure that you've gone on in Australia?
2: Yeah, so um, as I was talking about earlier, I went on, a, so in clinical placements, we have the, the choice to actually travel um, to different areas. So some people could travel to Sydney, Australia. Some people can travel to Melbourne, Australia. Some people can travel up north to a place called Cairns. So that's C-A-I-R-N-S. And they call that the tropical north of Australia. It is very hot, 35 to 40 degrees pretty much every day, and there's little to no wind, but we are on the water, so that's nice. So that clinical placement up there, we did an interesting thing where we work eight days on, and then we'd have five or six days off. So it was like shift work. So on those five to six days off, my, my, uh, my friend, um, Bio, who is also in my program, we went Actually, with myself, um, a friend of mine, Bio, and a couple others, Mackenzie and Paige. We went on a uh, a waterfall circuit. So um, up north, there's quite a lot of waterfalls where you can... If you're willing to drive to the location, um, you can find some pretty amazing waterfalls. So on the day off, we went this really, really windy road up to what's called the Tableland. So you have to like drive up this huge hill because uh, Australia is basically... Uh, it's, it's basically two slopes and then you drive up those two slopes and then you have tabletop. So to get up there is this really windy road. And then we found the, the, I guess the waterfall circuit. So you'd hit one swim in that waterfall, go to the next one, it'd be a completely different waterfall and you kind of explore that. And then you would go um, to the next one as well as, so, I mean, I was quite fortunate to to, to travel up um, north and, experienced those those waterfalls was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done and yeah and then I, I went surfing the other day that was <laughs> that was quite a task but my knees are sore my body is aching but uh yeah so those are two experiences that I've had so far that I loved it you don't often get to do in a in another country
1: I think that's really awesome and we just want to say Thank you so much for coming on our podcast and letting us come on your podcast and yeah. having this podcast trade.
2: Yeah. It's I mean, podcast trades are awesome, but again, you guys are amazing. Keep making the content you're making and maybe we'll have a chat here in the next few months and have a bit of an update and see how we're doing and kind of uh kind of go from there.
0: Definitely. It was so awesome talking with you, Simon, and we enjoyed it so much. So thank you and keep up what you're doing. We're so excited to see what 2020 brings and yeah, we'll definitely have to keep in touch.
1: Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists.
0: If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.